My, my feeling, Charlie, is that uh, it's, it's not that uh, pseudoscience and superstition and uh, new age so-called beliefs and uh, fundamentalist zealotry are something new. They've been with us for as long as we've been. We've been human. But we live in an age based on science and technology with formidable technological powers. Science and technology are propelling us forward at accelerating rates. That's right. And if we don't understand it, by we I mean the general public, if it's something that, oh, I'm not good at that, I don't know anything about it, then who is making all the decisions about science and technology that uh, are going to determine what kind of future our children live in? Just uh, some members of Congress? But there's no more than a handful of members of Congress with any background in science at all. And the Republican Congress has just abolished its own Office of Technology Assessment, the organization that gave them bipartisan competent advice on science and technology. They say, we don't want to know. Don't tell us about science. Surprising. It's the danger of this. I mean, you know, this is not the thing. There's two kinds of dangers. One is what I just yeah. talked about, that we've arranged a society based on science and technology in which nobody understands anything about science and technology. And this combustible mixture of ignorance and power, sooner or later, is going to blow up in our faces. I mean, who is running the science and technology in a democracy if the people don't know anything about it? And the second reason that I'm, I'm worried about this is that science is more than a body of knowledge. It's a way of thinking a way of skeptically interrogating the universe with a fine understanding of human fallibility. If, if we are not able to ask skeptical questions, to interrogate those who tell us that something is true, to be skeptical of those in authority, then we're up for grabs for the next charlatan, political or religious who comes ambling along. It, it's a thing that Jefferson laid great stress on. It wasn't enough, he said, to enshrine some rights in a, in a constitution or a bill of rights. The people had to be educated and they had to practice their skepticism and their education. Otherwise, we don't run the government. The government runs us. to Mindwave. This is Jenner, and we are continuing our Humanity First series. It's, it is, it's crazy. We are riding the wave, man, so we're busting them out. On the line uh, today, we are talking to Tushar Goswami, and he is super cool. So, uh, Tushar, thanks for coming on the show, man. No problem, Jenner. Thanks for having me on. Oh, pleasure. You are a fascinating individual, so uh, let's let's get into your backstory because it is very cool who are you what do you do i well like you said my name is tushar 
uh, Goswami, and I am a research engineer at Air Force Research Laboratory. No shit. Yeah, so basically what that means is um, Air Force Research Laboratory is basically, uh, to give you like a big picture idea, that's where GPS was made. That's where night vision goggles, that's where a lot of the autonomous tech and driving comes out of. It's had a massive impact on basically how the world works today. Like all the stuff that went into Apollo being successful and subsequent um, space shuttle missions that all came out of AFRL. And uh, that's where I get the privilege of working on a day-to-day basis. Holy shit. I feel extremely lucky to have you on because I am a huge fucking nerd. <laughs> like a huge and like aerospace engineering biotech like i am i oh my gosh i'm a huge nerd so uh for, forgive the nerd boner uh, no worries man <laughs> yeah and i i gotta give a a shout out to alex too because he is air force was, oh my god he's super cool man yeah he's a captain in the air force i've i've only met him like probably for about a week now and anytime we get together and have chats i'm just like i like this guy we're on the same page on a lot of things and anytime we have a conversation, I really kind of come away with a different understanding. So honestly, that's like all you could hope for when you have a conversation is coming away with a greater, broader lesson about whatever the topic was. Right. I need to get him back on so many times. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, man. And he's he's the one who was like, dude, you got to get Tushar on the show. He's super fucking cool. And from the like sentence, couple sentence long descriptions, I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh yeah, Andy's Yang Gang bonus. <laughs> right. So when you when you ask about like my backstory, um, so currently I'm getting a master's in biomedical engineering, and the Air Force is gracious enough to pay for that. And uh, yeah. before that, I did my bachelor's in bioengineering at the Ohio State University. And yes, I am one of those people that say the Ohio State University. <laughs> And uh, I really got my start as a researcher by freshman year. I was working on um, basically heart and lung disease, uh, looking at genetic modulation of DDR1 and DDR2 genes, which are discodine receptors, which uh, control how collagen is laid down in um, basically your skin or deeper than skin areas so like on the top surface you would obviously have your skin but then where we were looking is the extracellular matrix and um, how those binding patterns basically were tied into thrombosis which would then get tied into your ability to develop like heart disease or lung disease or any of those things and i did that for about a year and four months or so and then i moved out of research and i moved into industry I had a co-op at a medical device company where we were making spinal fixation devices and I got to make some configurations for different anatomical body types for a cervical cage, which just causes fixation in the top part of your neck. Um, I did that for about a semester and then I went back to school and started in a neurology lab, basically working with neural stem cells and, uh, there, our research was mainly focused on like Alzheimer's and uh, multiple sclerosis, looking at how you could use different genes to get um, basically efficacious morphologies in cell types if, and how you could use those, gene, uh, those cells to basically act as a Band-Aid in the brain for Alzheimer's. Basically, what happens is 
uh, you start developing lesions or basically holes in the brain, which is what causes all of the issues that you see. So the idea was, all right, if we have like healthy brain, like healthy stem cells that go through their evolution process and become organoids, could we use those organoids to be a band-aid for those areas of lesion? And on the biological side, I wasn't so much involved. I was more so involved in developing an algorithm which would automate the process of quantification. So basically what I did was wrote a program that looked at a picture and said, hey, there's a thing there. What is that thing? And then it would do it like it would go through the process of measuring it, first of all, to see what the diameter was, and then it would count it. And believe it or not, as simple as that task is, uh, Thousands of people are employed across the country that do that day in and day out. And that's what your lab tech one position is at any research lab is basically here's a here's a Petri dish. Go ahead and get me a measurement on all of those cells and how many we got. And that's what my boss told me to do. And I'm like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to write a program that does that for me. So that's that's what I did for my bachelor career, like my undergraduate career. And then I graduated and moved on to um, AFRL. I had a summer fellowship there and I was in the biodynamics group. And so we were working on ejection injury assessment. And uh, I helped with um, validating some human body models that they use to make sure that when our pilots have to eject, they're not going to get injured. I worked with SpaceX on validating the crew dragon system. Um, Oh, shit. Yeah, that was pretty cool. We had we had somebody that was like directly reported to Elon for about a week in our in our building and you know, those SpaceX guys, there was there was a NASA team with them, there was a SpaceX team and that crew of people was that was just, you know, as a 22-year-old who just graduated college, like you're you're talking about like the wildest dreams of engineers. And then you just get plopped into that environment. And oh, I got to yeah. do that for a summer. And that was, that was something else. And then that summer ended and I started my master's and I'm at a, uh, the materials and manufacturing directorate there, which basically any, anything that is on an airplane that is made out of a material that has any sensing capability, any job, basically, a defined role for an aircraft or an airman it is developed in that directorate and so my specific project is developing a wound healing or monitoring material and so far i have proof of concept for both of those uh claims and that's what i'm spending my time doing right now is just writing my master's thesis wow yeah i have that uh way later in my notes because you'd mentioned that you were doing your thesis on wound healing and i was like oh i gotta hear this because this is going to be some next level shit so is this using stem cell therapy of some no so the issue with stem cell therapies right now and i guess we can get political because this is a political podcast george w bush yeah we're an everything podcast (laughs) (laughs) right well president bush jr kneecapped stem cell research in the United States by about a decade because he he told uh, the S&T community, hey, stem cells are bad because um, I'm operating under this assumption that you can only get them from dead babies. So right. no more stem cell research. And then that lasted his entire term. 
And President Obama didn't really get on to restarting that until later on in his term. So while we weren't doing anything with stem cells, when I say we, I mean the United States, when we weren't doing anything with stem cells, the rest of the world was. So there's only like a handful of FDA approved um, therapies that utilize stem cells. But the material that I use is a biopolymer that's derived from like soft tissue, like areas of high cartilage, like kneecaps, elbows, shoulders. It's called conjoint sulfate. And basically why this material is super cool is because it has uh, three hydroxy groups in its structure that are very prone to molecular conjugation. So I just take some molecules and add them on Lego style to my, my base polymer. And that gives it like really nice structural properties, like flexibility. It's a hydrogel is what it is. So it allows it to be flexible. And the idea is we can like pack this on Band-Aid style onto an open wound. And then because the cell to cell or cell to hydrogel interaction um, impacts the growth cycle in a way that causes or increases cellular proliferation and it makes the cells bigger, you have more cells in a wound space that are able to lay down collagen at a much faster rate so you can effectively close the wound faster wow and this this is something that's grown in culture like what what's the source so the source is from you the bottle that i use that says conjoined sulfate salt says it's sourced uh-huh. from a cow but uh oh, okay. that's not really my my field or area of expertise i'm just an end user but it's, it's harvested from living tissues, basically. Gotcha, gotcha. And that's, that's uh, I got to look into this because this, is, this would be a fascinating uh, area to explore on the genetic engineering end. Because I'm sure, like they, they figured out how to do it um, with the rennet and cheese. Like we used to have to harvest, what was it, from the, like the livers of, pigs or something you know to get this and the same with insulin you know right, like we used to yeah. have that was sourced like from oh fuck where did they get that from but yeah now we synthesize all that shit so yeah that's an interesting thing i'm gonna do a whole fucking series on this show called biotech breakdown where we get really fucking nerdy on this shit, <laughs> this shit because it's awesome right uh, i i had kevin fulta on and it and Janap prakash they were fucking amazing bro and i'm like okay we need to dig deep into this shit we're riding the yang wave right now but we want to go everywhere and well, that's another tech is like oh, sorry. I'm there <laughs> no 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 you're good bro there's a latency thing it's it's a fight <laughs> oh yeah well that's that's what got me into to Yang was just like, hey, um, science literacy is an issue in this country because for too long we've Fuck. been giving kids an out to say, if I don't understand, that's okay. Whereas we should probably look at the other, like the teaching method and be like, maybe we're not teaching science the right way. And that's probably why we're not at a scale to like compete with your China's and your India's because, you know, the United States graduates about 100,000 engineers a year from our universities and China and India graduate on the order of millions. Right. So when you're talking about innovative potential as well as manufacturing potential, we don't have the bodies and the minds to throw out a problem. We have the money to throw out a problem. That's why we come out on top. But, you know, couple money with brilliant minds and a lot of them like what China's doing right now, and there's going to be 
a new era of competition. That's what we in the defense world call peer peer competition or great power competition, which is what all the generals, when they come through, they always talk about peer competition. And that's basically saying, hey, China's caught up. Like, what do we do now? Right. No, scientifically, scientific illiteracy, stumbling over my... uh words there because i'm actually i'm googling shit (laughs) at the same time no but scientific illiteracy is a huge fucking problem in this country Uh, it's it's illustrated in in so many fucking ways 16.4 million people in this country think chocolate milk comes from brown cows right (laughs) that is a literal thing Half of the people in this country think the story of Genesis is a literal thing. <laughs> like, it's bad. And There's I was looking up this. Uh, embarrassing <laughs> amount of people that think we should bomb Argabah. Like, yeah. the fictitious oh, oh, country from. Oh, yeah. Um, you know? There are like, so many examples of this. And I was I was trying to find the exact Sagan quote, but looking up quotes online is horrible. No, it's like we live in a society that is so fucking dependent on science and technology in which like almost nobody knows anything about science and technology and that's a recipe for fucking disaster it really is it's uh, yeah it's terrifying (laughs) some of this shit so i've been a science advocate uh outspoken and usually in a way that i'm a really big dick about it i've been i've been getting better about it but yeah that's how i started i started as a science communicator where i was just like calling people out basically (laughs) it started with the the nasa bullshit conspiracies around 2012 and the mayan doomsday shit and so i was just debunking and just shitting on people basically but shitting on them with facts in a very (laughs) you know (laughs) a less diplomatic Uh, andrew yang (laughs) oh totally no i yang team (laughs) i'm i'm trying to do the human love thing i'm trying to do the buddhist meta thing where i do the all loving kindness i have a hard time sometimes i still describe myself as a science advocate with an extremely low tolerance for bullshit it is very (laughs) (laughs) oh man where the hell did my notes go Uh, I don't even need notes, man. This is fucking. This is awesome. So you, you actually, you contributed to something that will automate jobs away. Not to put you on the spot, but is that is that an accurate, accurate, accurate synopsis? Of, yeah, of, like uh, I mean, if work? you gave me a team of five engineers and a budget of like two hundred, three hundred thousand dollars, there'd be massive job loss from what I created. Since I was doing it at the basic research level, like there's obviously it's not product ready, but you know, if I was an entrepreneur, like I kind of want to be, if I could build the team to build my idea from where I built it up, people would be losing their jobs right now. Yeah. So I'd ask you how, how you feel about that, but it's, it feels like kind of a stupid question. Uh, that's, that's a fucking uh, trolley problem and a half. That's like a cosmic trolley problem level shit well, i don't know i i just went about the problem in a very engineer type way because my boss said hey do this and i looked at what he wanted me to do and i'm like that's a lot of my time that i don't want to spend doing something that trivial let's write a program that does it for me 
And like, you know, the implications were an afterthought. I'm just like, I want to make my life easier. And so I did. Of course. Use the best technology that you have available to streamline shit. And that that's innovation. That's, that's moving fucking technology and science and everything forward, which we absolutely need to do. Like 100%. Like if you can do that, you should do that. If there is a robot that can do that job, the robot should absolutely be doing that job. You know, and this goes for all of these all of these jobs that most of the country depends on. And that's a fucking scary thought. You bring up an interesting paradigm, though, because when we when we talk about robotics and the application of robotic technology to work, the only place we're apparently not allowed to use that is in war. Like Russia and the United States have signed a treaty that says that we're not going to have robot soldiers on the battlefield, apparently. Oh, I did not know that, but uh, if Trump finds out, <laughs> he's going to get rid of it. Well, of course. He gets rid of I, I fucking guarantee life. you. Ah, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no Trump. Uh, yeah, it's for the military. <laughs> that's what that's there for. Uh, no, but that's really interesting. Uh, that's a, like, you clear everybody. I think that should be like a UN thing. Like, everybody, can we agree? <laughs> no robots on the battlefield. Can we all agree that that's just like not a great idea? Like, and we, I think we need to recommit, redo the uh, the outer space treaty of the the one the weaponization of space. Yeah, yeah, like we that needs to be the UN needs to like okay, we need we need a updated version of this for the twenty first century. Well, uh, yeah, we've already kind of shown the world that doesn't matter because we looked at the loophole and said, all right, no conventional weapons or un- like weapons in space. Therefore, we're going to use unconventional weapons and we developed kinetic weapons. Basically, like, here's an asteroid that we, like, weaponized and we can bring it hurling down on Earth hundreds of thousands of miles an hour and, <laughs> oh, and have disastrous oh, explosive impact. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, if you guys, the, the rods from God or whatever they're, yeah, the <clears throat> the impactors, the fucking orbital, <laughs> holy shit, the, that is gnarly if this has been fictionalized and uh visualized in, in several things uh if i i'm gonna i'm gonna google that shit and i'm gonna add that in the show notes if i can find it uh this has been demonstrated yeah what was that fucking movie where the bad guy he drops big fucking like telephone <laughs> telephone pole sized uh steel rods from orbit and it just and you see the fucking wave like the the ground literally comes up like a fluid wave and just fucking gnarly. Yeah, no, that's, uh, yeah, see, this is what we need to update our shit. <laughs> well, that's also another issue right now when you talk about when, well, I guess when Andrew talks about, he usually comes at it from like the financial economy. It's like we brought all of our whiz kids to Wall Street to create financial instruments that created the economic collapse of like 2008. Well, all of the best aerospace engineers and mechanical engineers are just picked up by Lockheed and Northrop and Raytheon and what they do is make weapons. It's like there are, there are other situations where a mechanical or an aerospace engineer, the best of the best, would be better suited in developing technologies for community-scale projects instead of DOD-scale, we're going to weaponize intellect. Basically, top-tier engineers are being sucked up by the industrial military complex instead of being applied to community scale projects. Right. And that's, that's a whole, this is another one of fucking Andrew's policies restore like the national labs program. 
I really need to dig into what, like, exactly what he wants to do with the National Labs program, but I fucking love the National Labs and, like, pu- putting hardcore investments into that shit. And yeah, I'm collaborating yeah. with uh, Brookhaven National Laboratory for my project right now, and the things that those, like, the capabilities that the National Labs have are just leaps and bounds ahead of what you would find in a conventional university lab setup. However, my main criticism of government-run labs is that they, uh, because of the security concerns, the level of sophistication and application of technologies isn't necessarily like what you would find at like the Glasgow Smith Klein, where everything is on a tablet and there's screens everywhere. It's just not 21st century vibes at all. Right, right, right. No, I get that. It's, I've been in government buildings. <laughs> right. I, get, I, I, you know, but revitalizing that shit, like, but I mean, when you look at what was done in some of these places, like, and what they're still doing, like, I was just hearing little bits about, like, what Los Alamos is doing, and I was like, holy shit, <laughs> or, like, what they've done beyond... Revolutionizing you know, the energy game. That's literally all they do, figuring out yeah. better ways to create and disperse energy as well as store energy. Yeah, man. That's fucking awesome. Oh, man. I don't know why I just thought of this, but it bumps me out so bad. Uh, I think... I'm Googling. Hold on. <laughs> okay. What the hell was it called? It's yeah, but still- like, from an investment standpoint, I don't know where we got off track, because this used to be like a very bipartisan idea that, you know, basic... Fundamental research is a capital intensive project and the government has lots of capital. And oh, by the way, for every dollar we put into this research, 10 years later, we're getting a 400% return on investment. And then somehow, somewhere down the line, that idea has dropped by the wayside and now we're not funding it as much as we should be. Like my favorite part about NASA is like every dollar that we've spent as NASA has given us $4 back. Thank you. Fucking yes. Thank you. I, I am like huge and like, let's restore, let's make a constitutional amendment that NASA's budget is not to b- go below 5%. Because if you look at NASA's founding documents, it's like very fucking clear, like within the law, like they have to be properly funded. Okay. And that's just not getting funded, which well, is during the James, Apollo program, James they were 4% of GDP. That's a I mean, massive amount of number. <laughs> exactly but we're not investing in this shit because everybody's playing for the fucking election cycle and nobody's thinking about long-term shit that's why we never built the super (laughs) i can't even say it super conducting super collider yeah we Uh, were supposed to have a CERN type particle accelerator in the u.s and it just never happened Desertron. I got the wiki open because I couldn't remember what it was called because it was called something stupid in American. Superconducting Super Collider. Yeah, it was a particle accelerator complex under construction in the vicinity of, I'm not going to try to pronounce that, Texas. It's a ring. <laughs> the, the ring circumference was 87.1 kilometers. That's 54.1 miles for uh, us. Uh, with an energy, okay, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, <laughs> with the uh, energy of uh, twenty electron volts per proton, and it was set to be the world's largest and most energetic. Okay, it would twenty have greatly, electron volts is no joke. That's this some shit. Yeah, it would have greatly surpassed the current record held by the Large Hadron Collider, which has In a range of circumference. Yes, 
Yes, at uh, 27 kilometers, which is 17 mile radius, and an energy of 6.5. Yeah, almost four yeah. times. Yeah, it was going to be fucking huge, and they canceled that shit in 1993 due to budget problems. Fuck you, Congress. <laughs> that shit still makes me so mad. We could have beat them to the fucking Higgs boson, man. Really, though, that's my thing. Like. <laughs> We could always use more Nobel laureates, and if we had that infrastructure, we could have had the Higgs boson. Like, that yeah. could have been an American thing. Yeah, we, we could have added to the particle zoo. We could, there could be a, a dozen more that we don't even fucking know about, because, you know, CERN, fan-fucking-tastic, but this fucking shit, SSC, would have been stellar. And But just no, again... Scientific illiteracy. Everybody's like, "What the fuck is that?" Or they're trying to build a black hole. You know, <laughs> like they don't get it. You know, they're just it. They're not stupid. They're just being a little dumb dumb. They just don't like. And if you make that argument, if you make the argument that like we're trying to be cautious with our spending, how can you be any more cautious by pouring money into science and technology? Like you want to make people's lives better that requires like technical understanding to be able to develop and then, you know, produce. However, like we're not spending in the right ways. We're we're not spending on our roads. We're not spending in Department of Energy labs. We're not spending in NASA. We're not spending in so many other government programs that when you get down to brass tacks, if you want to maximize people impact, like the impact on your citizenry you would be it would behoove you to spend on education and healthcare because my big thing is like i'm not a politician i don't i follow politics pretty heavily it's my version of sports because i don't really do sports outside of ohio state football but <laughs> if you have a well educated population that is also healthy in the most fundamental sense that means you get a population that is capable of holding better jobs which means they can pay taxes for longer. And if they're healthy, that means they live longer. And if you live longer, then you're going to pay taxes for longer. And to a government, it's just like you want a really solid, consistent revenue stream because less than 50% of the country pays income tax. So we pull in maybe like $3.2 trillion a year or so from our income tax. So if you just multiply that by two, we have the capacity for $6.2 trillion. So when people give like Andrew all this grief over, well, the freedom dividend is going to cost $3.2 trillion. There's another $3.2 trillion that we're just not getting because people don't pay taxes. Yeah, that's actually there a, a lot of really, really there. good I'm argument. <laughs> no, no, that is a really good argument. I have not heard that one. And that we need to start using that, Yang Gang. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I like to bring up the bank bailout like – Four trillion dollars. Yeah, Quantitative dude. easing my ass. Like, come on. You yeah, want to like, maximize economic impact, don't give money to the people who fucked up the shit in the first place. Yeah. And if you're not complaining about the latest fucking tax cut, then shut up. One point seven trillion dollars, the top twenty yeah. percent of corporations and people. And we're just gonna I, I just really wonder, like what happened to the Republican Party? Like you used to have this principled stand, it seems, only when a Democrat was president that, you know, fiscal responsibility is what we do, but we're going to blow holes in the deficit 
that are miles across and just wait for a president, a Democratic president to come through and fix it. Like we had something like $300 billion in surplus funds when Clinton ended his term. And then W came through and blew that into 3.2 or four some four trillion dollars in the hole. And then Obama has to come up and fix this mess. And then Donald's right back to it again. And oh, it's how, breaking it's, records it's now. Cycle, it's Reagan. And it's just like, why, why is the memory of the public so short? Ain't nobody no none shit. Our education system. It, it, it's beyond that because it is a social problem. This is something kind of just culturally wrong with Americans where we, you know, there's this whole death of expertise thing where just like, no, you don't just, I'm my own doctor. I'm my own pediatrician. I'm my own. My sister is a doctor and you she know? tells me that at points in time, it's really hard to like, basically like she gets annoyed with the patients because instead of being like, yes, I am the person who spent nearly 12 years of my life studying these issues. Therefore, like my expertise is going to have a little more value than your feelings. Like in other countries, the medical system is based off of like, this is a medical authority telling you what's right for your body versus what we have here. I feel like that's wrong. And then our physicians are supposed to say, well, if you feel that's wrong, then we'll look for a different way. And I'm not going to like knock the patient's experience because at the end of the day, the doctor doesn't know what the patient is feeling. That is for certain. But at a certain point in time, there has to be a deference to knowledge. And that's just gone by the wayside. That's nowhere near to where it used to be. Like my favorite thing to do is like go back and look at like 1940s, 1950s era engineering videos and those are like some of the greatest put together educational videos that I've ever seen. Like they they are on par or rival Khan Academy in, in that regard. And that's when there was like a deference to authority in terms of knowledge. Like you defer to knowledge, you defer to expertise. And that's that's no longer here, which is sad. No. Yeah, no, people are, are trusting bloggers and in, 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 in mommy groups over... You know the global or a scientific paper consensus. From 1997 that said like vaccines cause autism, and then the guy when he wrote that paper and published it, literally the entire scientific community is like, uh, "No, retract that." The journal pulled it, retracted it. He lost his medical license. He has zero credibility. Yep. But then this group of people just congregate around this man and say he is the second coming. Yeah. And he's still touring around and still raking in the cash on this bullshit, which uh, my understanding with Wakefield was that he was actually proposing his own alternative to the MMR vaccine. And that's why he was going after like the main one so that his could be like the main thing. I don't know really too much about Wakefield. He's a very frustrating individual. I don't try to read into him as much because it's just disappointing. Like as, as a scientist, as an engineer, as a researcher, your ability to accurately communicate your observations and results is what defines your career. And if you're willing to make fraudulent claims about your projects and experience, then you've totally kneecapped the entire reason why people go into science. It's like fidelity to the truth above all else. Yeah. 
we need to restore trust in science because assholes like this are, are, are probably what's contributing to the distrust factor. You know, the environmental movement, I've mentioned this again and again, they've been just totally taken over by anti-science ideologues. The whole health and wellness movement is just totally taken over. Goop. <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow and goop. Oh I'm just going to smear. I mean, some clays, like bentonite clay, has like good properties for your skin, but like... I'm just going to smear some mud on my skin because Gwyneth Paltrow told me it's good for me. All right. Or pay $80 for a little bag of uh, aquarium gravel that's magic gives you energy or something. Right. Bag of rocks. Uh, ladies. Ladies. The, the <laughs> oh, man. Detour. Ladies. There are there is a very short list of things that you should put in your vagina. <laughs> There's a very short list. Do not listen to Gwyneth Paltrow. She's an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Ditch it of the mind. Yes. <laughs> oh man. See, I already um, we have a dipshit of the month thing, <laughs> which we recorded a really silly silly audio dipshit of the month sound effect, and I'm like. Who did who Alex Jones? Yeah, was from the last one. He was our dipshit of the month. I mean, is I he like, the well, dipshit no, of lifetime? It, it's like I think it's going to be a competition every month where we just talk about these fucking dipshits. But like, how do you top Alex Jones' <laughs> levels of idiocy? I t- <laughs> unless you're Rupert Murdoch. That's oh, how you top man. that. Some of these people are just fun to shit on. Uh, I mean, Rupert Murdoch literally. <laughs> Because I forget there was a court case where he successfully argued that Fox News is not a news company. It's an entertainment company. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. No, and it, there was some kind of – there. Was, what was the legislation that with the fairness? The fairness and, doctrine. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Thank Which you, is Reagan. gone. It's just like, yeah, you, no, we have the right to lie if we want to. God. <laughs> like, what? Uh, freedom or like speech, regular tire capture in the FCC because, you know – I should pay more to go to Netflix versus playing RuneScape if I wanted to, because that makes sense. Like I pay more to use the water for my laundry versus taking a shower. Does that make sense to you? <laughs> oh, man, see, these are these are all the things in the 21st century that we have to tackle, and like all these old. I'm sorry, but I honestly like don't think sorry. Elizabeth Warren has any understanding of like. No, no, man. She get like, it. I well, it just it disappoints me because I read her essay on how automation is not the major displacement of jobs, and I'm like, I live in Ohio. There is a factory that employed thousands of people here, and now there's none. It's all robots. What are you going to tell them? Right, right. No, that 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 shit was just like the icing on the cake. I mean, when she came out as like staunchly anti-nuclear power, I was like, okay, you're you're just what's a, the stopgap? What are we going to do in the meantime? Exactly. Like, obviously, what, yes, we shouldn't like, use okay. nuclear power because of the risks associated with it in the long term. However, right now, what we got is pretty pretty safe. I mean, France gets eighty oh, percent of their power from nuclear power. So, what's stopping? It's also like outdated regulations that say you can't have a standardized blueprint for nuclear reactors in this country. Everything has to be built from the ground up again. We have to reinvent the really? wheel each time we want to build a new reactor. Whereas That's in France, it's stupid. like, 
here's here's what we got that worked the first few hundred times. So we're going to keep with it. <laughs> and I mean, I understand what I just said is a gross simplification, but like that's basically what it boils down to. That's some bullshit. I did not know that. We don't have like reactor types like go oh, build the C three hundred two on this, you know, plot of land. Like they just have to like build one here, <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> what? I did not know that. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> That's crazy town. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really understand, and I run the risk of coming off ageist but when i watched mark zuckerberg testify to congress and the the official asked him how do you make money and the green oh, right. in his eyes where he just realized these just motherfuckers like, don't understand anything <laughs> that i do his eyes that's like the first time i saw emotion yeah. across of him and he's just like well senator we sell hats <laughs> And like that was like the most profound thing that senators probably ever heard because his reaction oh, yeah. to that was like, "Oh, uh huh, okay, yeah, that makes sense." And oh, apparently, we're supposed to trust these people with the reins of national power to a degree that allows for unilateral executive policy making that impacts generations to come. It's terrifying. It I was really scary. Day, like some news publication. I forget which one they were interviewing a pharmacist in DC and they were talking about how many Alzheimer's and dementia medications that they like fulfill. And they're like, wow, like our governmental heads have really big problems. Cause like, you know, when you're looking at a pharmacy and like what they're dispensing, forget about like the opioid things. That's a conversation for a different day. But like when you're when your seat of power has this many like neurodegenerative diseases being dis like medications being dispensed out to them, it's terrifying. You should not have neurodegenerative diseases and run a government. You can't run a country when you're forgetting forgetting basic things. shit. Yeah, no, I've and this is a, a a very real concern that I've had a a hard time communicating in a way that sounds honest it's been snarky um you know but like if biden is forgetting obama's name this is not a good sign guys. what yeah you didn't hear him on that no this is new <laughs> to me he forgot his coattails names he he's been forgetting a bunch of shit um go back because of the sun setting because apparently that's a thing for people when they get up in age when the sun goes down their like cognitive ability also declines. yeah 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 that it, it totally explains uh, the uh, the uh, Twitter rampages of the Oval Office occupant. No, that's totally what that is. Yeah, like later in the day, they just get all foggy. No, but he's constantly forgetting everybody's names on stage. He uh, referred oh, the senator to, to my left, right? Yeah, yeah. He does a lot of that. He referred to he referred to Bernie as the president, the president. at one point. Yeah. He couldn't. He couldn't remember uh, Obama's name. He was like the former, uh, the the my boss, the former my boss, something like that. Like he, in real time, you could see it on his face. He was forgetting, and I felt well, I mean, really Jimmy shitty Carter for pointing out it out. Basically, this is like a low key dig at Joe. He's like, you know, once you get up to the '80s, you probably have no business being president. And that was probably last week. Jimmy Carter came out and said that. And this man yeah. is like 94 years old and still trucking along, building houses for Habitat for Humanity. 
He needs to transfer his consciousness into a fucking robot and run for president. I really again. want him to. Like, we need another Harrison. He's amazing. There needs to be another non-consecutive term. <sighs> that motherfucker lo- sold his peanut farm because he thought there would be a conflict of interest. Damn it! Look at right. this mess. Right. <laughs> he sold his peanut farm. Fuck. And I his love dad Jimmy was Carter. Married. Like, forget about the sentimentality of your family. Oh peanut my farm. god. The man's dad, his father, was buried in that peanut farm, and he doesn't even own the land anymore. I did not know that. We are. We need to start a fund, you guys. We need to buy that land back and turn it into a national goddamn monument, motherfuckers. Right. That is beautiful. I did not know that. That is cool as hell. Oh, fuck. No, we, yeah, we need to do something about that. That's wrong. That's the kind of shit that I would, if I found out about that and I was president, that's the shit I'm like, no, I, imminent domain. (laughs) (laughs) We are take, I don't care who's there. We are taking that shit. That's a new national (laughs) monument, motherfuckers. That's beautiful. Yeah. He did. Jimmy Carter's, he's got to be my favorite president of all time, I think. That man, just unparalleled. And he's still fucking trucking. I mean, the problem you know? with Jimmy Carter was he trusted the American people too much with the truth. He's just yeah. like, these are the hard truths of reality, and I'm going to lay them out to you flat. And that's why he lost to a seedless celebrity. Because Ronald Reagan was like, hey, guys, I'm going to tell I'll tell you like nice little anecdotes that I learned in acting school when I don't want to confront the truth. <laughs> And apparently that worked. Yeah, no, no bullshit. There's a huge market for bullshit in this country. People eat it up. They love it, man. They don't want to have to think. They don't want to have to get real. They don't want to have to care. They're just like, oh, bullshit artist. Oh, yes, please. Snake oil. Oh, yeah. They want the miracle pill, man. They don't want they don't want a lot. They don't want to read the terms and conditions. They want to just boop. (laughs) They want to. It's it's a a dopamine. They just click it. Just (laughs) they don't want to care, man. (laughs) I I, I don't know. (laughs) Go on. That's why, like, when Andrew says it's the revolution of reason that we need to make America think harder. Like the first time I heard that and like, yes, like it's high time that our highest elected officials can challenge the people into thinking for one themselves and two trusting them with here is 160 plus detailed policies on how we're going to fix the country. Make your decision, please. Like it really bugs me. It really bugs me that Liz Warren can brand herself as I've got a plan for that. It's like, uh, your website doesn't compare. I'm sorry. Where are all your plans? Yeah. Not only that, some of her plans are shitty. And, uh, most of her plans are shitty by comparison. Like, it's just like there's there no contest. And I could tell this right from the bat. I was like, nobody's going to be able to compete with this. And that's why the all it's like the logical conclusion that this what do you guy do when is going to win. Up Facebook? Like, what happens then? Instagram <laughs> becomes its own company. WhatsApp becomes its own company. And Facebook becomes its own company. And then all of a sudden, the Russian and the Chinese and the Iranian actors that spread disinformation that they've been doing are going to be like, oh, wow, our jobs just got a whole lot easier. They can't uniformly communicate yep. about what they're seeing. Yeah, it's just messy. The you only tech company that deserves messy. to be broken up is Amazon. Because when you operate your marketplace on top of your web services and you have the ability to push your own products to the top of the page... 
That's unfair competition. Uh, I don't know. I might have to push back on that a little bit because I, I hate Amazon, but I love Amazon at the same time. I think they could be reg, they could be regulated better. <laughs> but you talk, you know, like when when you want to talk about market competition, you shouldn't have the ability to forecast what trends are and then apply that directly to your own company's products in the marketplace. That's like the insider trading version of selling products. I mean, all, it's all branded though. It's all like Amazon Choice or Amazon Select, like their own brand. It all eh, basics. That's what it is. And I've ordered some of that shit because sometimes it is better. And th- what I'm comparing it to is some is usually like Chinese crap. You know, not to crap on Chinese products. Uh, they're usually great. <laughs> Just, well, <laughs> you gotta time, give merit but, to like that whole range of products because in the last like. 15, 20 years through their understanding of we got a whole bunch of labor, we can dominate the low cost of manufacturing, cheaper side of manufacturing side of business. They lifted 600 million people out of poverty. So even though the quality is pretty garbage, it's changed 600 million lives. And I'd like to think I have like pretty egalitarian principles. So like Mm -hmm. good things abounding is good for everybody. Yeah, I mean they they could get better leadership. I I would say would be a better way to. I mean, think if about India it, but... can do democracy, so can China. Uh yeah, no, no, absolutely. And what's happening in in Hong Kong right now it is a a good example of that. I think uh, I'm not entirely up to speed, um, but. But yeah, we actually have listeners in Hong Kong, and I'm very disappointed that you have not contacted me because I've asked you to, <laughs> Hong Kong people. Uh, Hong Kong yeah, is such an interesting case of like colonialism, where Britain was just like, hey, here's some opium, get addicted, uh, then we're going to exploit you. And then 100 years on, like 1950s or so, they're like, well, we did you wrong, so we're going to pour millions of pounds into your education, or billions of pounds, I guess, into your education, lifestyle, all of that, and build you up. And then when the 90s rolled around, they handed it back to China. The people were like, we'd actually rather be a colony of the UK. That That's that's always been rather fascinating to me. Yeah, it's, it's a little crazy because there's these huge democracy protests, these big uh, pro-democracy, you know, where like a quarter of the population of Hong Kong is, you know, was turning out on the streets, right. waving American flags, you know, Singing demanding freedom. Life, yeah, that that shit trips me out, man. When I'm seeing a bunch of people 10,000 miles away waving my country's flag and singing my anthem, that I can't help but feel like, why aren't we doing something about this? Yeah. I mean, if we, we can prop up Taiwan to the extent that we have, where they're basically like, you know, the People's Republic says, yes, they're a part of us, but like they have their own president, their own military and all of that. And the only reason why Taiwan exists is because of the United States military. I don't understand why the United Kingdom and the United States can't get together and be like, yeah, Hong Kong's ours again. It's their own thing. Yeah. Gonna be interesting to see how that plays out, but I mean that's gonna have to happen under the next administration because fuck if we can expect anything from this one. But I like mean, from a foreign policy standpoint, the way we're looking at China is still pretty outdated. 
Like when you look at the military strategy we have, it's just containing China. We have bases on Japan and South Korea, and we have allied governments and then like rotation deployments, aircraft carrier deployments that just rotate out of that area. Granted, a lot of it is in response to the incursions in the South China Sea, but all of it is just based on this idea of containment. I'm like, I feel like there has to be a better way to do that than just by floating three and a half acres of sovereign U.S. territory across your country every so often. Yeah, yeah. diplomacy, man. <laughs> we I mean, need Jim Mattis has shit. a beautiful quote. He's like, when the State Department's budget gets cut, I have to go buy bullets. That is fucking beautiful. And that that's something that I've been complaining about on the show, too. And this is like, for real, bro, I'm in love with you right now because you are the best person to have on the show. <laughs> You're, you were absolutely 100% like genetically designed specifically for this show. This is brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, man. Oh, uh, no, this is great. Where the hell did my notes go? Where are we? <laughs> man. Where do you want to go? We can go anywhere, man. I I fucking love it. I don't know, man. It's your show. Take it where you want to go. No, you're the guest, man. This is, <laughs> this is your show. This is this is your episode. I didn't I'll, really come look at an agenda. I just came to chat. I love it, man. I love it. Um, I I did make notes, so I'll peruse through them just for uh, for uh, prompts here. Um, because we had a really interesting conversation up to this and I was like, oh, I need to write some of this shit down because, <laughs> and we haven't brought any of that up, which is fucking great. Uh, <laughs> no, we, <laughs> I know, right? This is awesome. So, uh, we talked about your backstory. We talked about biomedical engineering a little bit. We talked about automation a little bit. Oh my God. This is fucking this favorite episode. <laughs> so you've been all around the world, right? Like what's, what's your... Your travel history, break that down. So I had a very privileged childhood in the sense that uh, my parents from a very young age just took me all around the world. A lot of that was to go see grandparents and family in India. But as a consequence of that, it would be like, hey, you can, we can go here. Or we can do this. So I've been to China, I've been to like Saudi Arabia, I've been to Australia. I just got back from Peru like last year. And then like a couple months ago, I was in the UK for a little bit visiting a buddy. Uh, I've been all over the place. And that's probably also what like guides my understanding is it's like <clears throat> you could you could fall pr prey to a nationalistic mindset that like America first and we can we can talk about like the historical meaning of that phrase in a later episode I guess but oh no we know where it came from <laughs> I like, white people first brown people can go away need not apply but like it, yeah America first in the sense that like you know we should put our interests above everyone else's and I feel like that's putting shutting the door on the last 50 years of American foreign policy when it says we need to convince the world that American policy interests actually have second, third order benefits for all countries involved. And yeah. seeing the world and understanding culture in a intimate and nuanced setting is what allows you to, what the psychologists say, better, like better develop your empathy because 
you know, you kind of see this in our own country, like, and it's, it's universal. Like you spend time in a rural area where the main people you interact with are your close family and the town that like you grew up in your understanding of other people's situations diminishes because you haven't had the education necessary to understand. And when you look at like travel rates for the United States, it's an ungodly amount of people have never even left their state. Like it's a significant minority. It's like 30 something, 30 to 33% of Americans have never left their home state. And to me, like obviously the main reason why is because traveling is horrendously expensive. Yeah, it's fucking expensive and long and shitty because we don't have fucking... uh... A bunch of maglev trains spanning the country that make it super easy where you can go to bed in a pod. <laughs> All right, so I live in Ohio. 2015 was a sad year for Ohio because John Kasich, then governor John Kasich, vetoed a bill. This was during the the big like um, stimulus spending spree, like the second term Obama. They were like, here's all this stimulus money, build bullet trains all over your state to connect Columbus to Cincinnati to Cleveland. And John Kasich was like, no. Oh my God. Look around and look around the world at what the fucking, what they're doing, man. It makes me so mad. Our rickety. I mean, going <sighs> from Cincinnati to Cleveland, like Cincinnati is basically the most Southern tip, like the most major metropolitan city, the Southern right. most major metropolitan city in Ohio. And then going up to Cleveland, which is the most Northern major metropolitan city. And if you could do that in less than an hour, forget about like how that's going to help universities. Forget about how that's going to help people. Like, you know, if they have a brain issue in Cincinnati, right. instead of spending five hours in the car, you could go to the Cleveland clinic in an hour, like revolutionizing healthcare in that regard. Or forget about like education and healthcare. And just think about business. Like, if you want to make an entrepreneurial enterprise-related argument to a conservative, then talk about how good it is for business. Having a meeting in Columbus and then going down to Cincinnati to visit your development site in less than 20 minutes would revolutionize business. Yeah, I mean, it's like, I think we need need public hypersonic, you know, real fast shit. We need industry shit and Oh, I have a buddy that used to work for hypersonic. Oh, no shit. Yeah, he he was out in L.A. doing Hyperloop stuff all the time, and he's a he's a material scientist, a welding engineer. And talk about his shit with me, and I'm like, this is this is next level. What? Yeah, see, I mean, there we need to have like a bunch of that shit, but like for different channels. So like the public, they can take this one. If the you you got like a hospital one, <laughs> like if you need emergency one, you can get. Pipe it out, go straight there if you get a fucking, you know what I mean? It should be smart like that. And and the, the kicker to all of this was that the state of Ohio only needed to supply the labor. Like the federal government was going to pay for everything oh, else. All they needed to do was give people jobs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that's all they needed to do was just yeah, jobs. This is why. <laughs> and everything else was funded. Yeah, this and so like Republicans. CNN rehabilitating John Kasich's image after the number that he's done on the public education system in my state pisses me off to no end. Like there's a quote of him saying teachers stepping up and realizing that they should sacrifice for everyone else. That's like, man, what are you saying? Without good teachers, you wouldn't have good anything. Right. And you're going to 
propose budget cuts to their salaries. You can say that shit about and, soldiers. And, Don't say that shit about fucking teachers. Fuck you. Come on. That's wrong. <laughs> what was that? I said you could say that shit about soldiers. You know, Don't say that shit about fucking teachers, man. That's wrong. Yeah, I mean, to a degree, like, teachers should not have to sacrifice their personal incomes for the betterment no, of the students. No, that's what I'm saying. What I'm saying, like, making that argument, like, that's fucked up. Like, saying that teachers, they have to sacrifice. Exactly. No, fuck you. We should be investing in that. Hardcore. And then, like, you look at um, one of the local universities in my hometown in the beginning of the year when the government was shut down was on strike literally all the professors were on strike and it was the longest strike in our state's history because of funding snafus that you know rolled down from k6 tenure because at a point in time there was like 75 percent of the state university budgets in the state of ohio were funded by the state government and now it's at a point where it's 25 percent or less hmm. And you can see that all over the place and in terms of how that manifests in terms of student enrollment, quality of professors, classes offered, majors offered. If you're a state university, you're investing in your, your, your citizens. So like your education platform should be all encompassing to give your people the best chance of finding a passion and following it. I don't think that's a radical idea. Yeah. But apparently to the Kasich administration, it was. And they were like, no. And then you can see that in Alaska now, too. Like the governor of Alaska slashed the University of Alaska, the university system that Alaska has by a significant amount, like something like 40 percent to the point where like something like 20 to 30,000 students lost their scholarships and now can no longer afford to go into college. Jesus. See, this is, and I think this is a good point to for the Yang Gang. If we need a new mission statement, aside from let's get this guy fucking elected, we need to be working on the local levels too. If you are out there and you are believing in this fucking message, run for local government. Run for a fucking county seat. See, do I was going to do that. I, I was going to yeah. run for the 10th congressional district in my state. And I had some meetings with unions, and it basically boiled down to you don't have enough money, therefore we're too afraid of the risk that you If represent. Andrew's proved anything, you don't need fucking money. Social media owns this shit now. Fuck the... Po like, all this... The, it, the cable... Well, I'm also writing this master's thesis, so, like, running for oh, right. national office. Yeah, no, finish the science and... first, bro. Finish the <laughs> right. science first, but as soon as, as soon as you're good there, and I want... Yeah, I'm going to bring you back on to do a whole thing about that, because that's cool as fuck. Soon as you're done with that, run for office, man. And Yang Gang out there, <laughs> run for fucking office. Let's change this shit ourselves, because uh, you, you start not, at the ground level. Yeah. I mean, Obama said this at the very beginning: if you want change, make it in your community, and then it'll boil over to Washington. Yeah, up from the ground, motherfuckers. Let's let we love Andrew Yang, and if we put him at the top, let's not expect him to sit at the top and do all this shit for us, and just. Hat, rain down the money. No, we got to build from the ground fucking up and we got to take back all of it. All of it. If we care about this shit, we have to run for city council. You have to get on boards. 
your county governments, your state governments, get involved, fucking do something. <laughs> like for real. And I'm I I'm not in a position to do that right now, but if I am in a position to put my money where my motherfucking mouth is, and you don't need I mean, the, the old rules don't apply. Do that shit on social media, you'll fucking win. <laughs> I'm telling you. Yeah, the founders wanted it to be a government of and for and by the people, exactly. but the evolution of our society has made it so that basically our equivalent of the landed gentry are the only people that could have governmental power. Like we say we don't have an aristocracy, but we kind of do. Oh, it's, it's it's gone to full on. Like, like how many trust fund babies are in Congress right now? They're so detached. They don't get anything. They don't get like my favorite question to ask them when they come through is like, how much does a gallon of milk cost? <laughs> how much does a gallon of gas cost? I don't know. You know, like this that they're so detached, so clueless. We need a lot more hot young people, and hot young people can do it. They can run that shit on YouTube and take over. That's what I'm saying. YouTubers. If you're a hot young new YouTuber with a lot of really cool shit ideas, run for something. Run for that shit on your own platform. Fuck the media, fuck the rest of it. You might win some shit. And you might be able to change something for the world. Think about that, listener. I'm telling you. Man, this this could literally go forever. <laughs> You're one of the coolest people that we've had on the show, for sure. I don't think that, man. I've I've seen the list. I don't I don't think I compare to some of those folks, but I appreciate oh, you saying no. that. No, no, you're you're uh you're one of these uh skeleton keys. I can plug you into anything and you just you're perfect. <laughs> Uh, I won't say that at all, man. No, I love it, man. But thank you so much for coming on. And this has been a a fantastic thing. And I am I'm already looking like round two because we can go lots of different places. I have the biotech series. I have the outreach machine series. This is mostly about Andrew Yang. This the what we're doing now, the humanity first thing. But we're gonna go lots of places that you would be absolutely perfect for. So. I am I am definitely getting you back, whether you like it or not. <laughs> you don't have to force me. I'm here for I you. I fucking love it, man. So let's let's bring it back. Let's bring it back to the core, the heart. Let's bring it back to Andrew Yang for a minute before we uh, wrap this all up. What's what's humanity first mean to you, and what what are the biggest reasons that you are a part of this movement with us? Aside from, I mean, what we've already covered, because it's it's been very clear. <laughs> For me, the Humanity First movement is a refocusing of American energy towards creating a more egalitarian system. Like the American democracy is supposed to be the greatest experiment in the world because a peanut farmer like Jimmy Carter can become president. So in that regard, Humanity First is supposed to build a more perfect union from our communities up so that everybody realizes that, yes, they have worth and they have value. And personally, I've been calling for universal basic income since 2015. And when Andrew Yang came on the scene, my eyes, my head exploded. My eyes lit up and my head exploded because I was like, for the first time in our country's history, there's a major 
party candidate that is openly saying, well, I guess it's not the first time. There is another guy, but he was like a long time ago and I, before I was born, so I don't quite recall. Mm. But um, having that as a guiding policy, the central policy shows everybody that they have worth. And in today's society, most people my age have a 50-50 shot of doing better than our parents. In the 1940s, it was like a 93 or 94% shot. And if you're going to be a parent or if you're going to be a child, as a child, one, you look to your parents for guidance and advice, and then you make them your model so you could achieve more than them. Like my dad and my parents always told me, do better than us, right? And now it seems like that opportunity has been lost on hundreds of millions of people and not through any fault of their own, just through sheer financial insecurity. And if you have the great wealth that we do at this point in time, and we can sit on the tallest mountains and say that the United States is the best country in the world, I feel like it's time to put our money where our mouth is and make our country the greatest country in the world and alleviate poverty and unleash the human capital that we have. So that's what humanity first means to me. That is fucking beautiful, man. I love it. Tushar, this has been fucking awesome, man. I really, I'm really glad we met and we need to, uh, we got notes to make, man, because we're going to go some places. This is, uh, you are far too cool. And thank you so much for your time <laughs> and uh, hanging out with me. And uh, like, like I was telling you privately earlier, like, man, like if, if I'm in a position to send you a field recorder or a mic or a laptop or something so that we can do this like on the regular, I'm going to fucking do that with the Patro dollars, <laughs> like ASAP. You're cool as hell, man. And thank you so much for coming on the show. And is there any like uh, plugs or anything you want to add in there at the end or? Uh, outside of thanking you for this opportunity, no, I don't really have any plugs. Oh no, man, this is this is absolutely my pleasure. You are fascinating and super cool. We are adding you to the team <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Man. Well, uh, listeners, thanks for hanging out with us for a little bit. We got fuck. We got two more interviews to do tonight, so this is gonna be fun. But it's great. Have a good. Yeah. Sounds like a fun time, man. Yeah. Yang gang. So we're going to go talk to Alyssa Monet Mason and, uh, oh, fuck. Did we get another one? I got to look at the calendar. It's It's been a fun day. But, yes, thanks again for listening. Uh, I will add all the other stuff at the end. Tushar, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it, Jenner. Another special shout out to uh, Donuts, which <laughs> I have come to find out is actually Donuts, uh, who is uh, in the Ukraine somewhere. He did that track at the beginning underneath the Carl Sagan bit, uh, and he's done uh, with our Humanity First voicemail series. He, he made that track, so I might actually reach out to him and uh, see what's up, because I really like his work. It's very cool. Uh, Our website is mindwave.media. You can follow us on Twitter at Mindwave Podcast. I am at Mindwave Jenner. 
my co-host Josh at Mindwave Josh, our executive producer Paul at Mindwave Paul. Uh, yeah, I think that's it, right? Thank you to everyone who is uh, supporting the show, all our wonderful friends. Uh, and uh, yeah, thanks for listening. We will talk to you guys next time.